Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to know more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. We're in a series right now entitled People We Know. We're taking a closer look at how Jesus expects us to respond to difficult people, as well as a look at ourselves to see where our actions and habits line up with God's Word. Let's get into this week's message. So good to see you guys. If you're a guest here today, your first time at Grace Life, welcome. So glad to have you here. It's our first Sunday too, so you probably know as much about it as we do. Uh, There are many things we're still figuring out. If you see something broken, feel free to fix it or you can tell us. Either way, it's all great. We're going to take a few weeks to kind of figure things out here and then we will be having our grand opening September 9th. And uh, to help you invite people, a couple of things we've got for you today. First one is... uh, Invitations, so feel free to pick up some of these on the way out. They're generic. They don't talk about any series, so you can keep these in your car and uh, give them to anybody you want to any time of the year. It talks about here, this place, this address. Yeah, that's what I meant by that, whatever. You get the whole point. Hey, we also have bumper stickers. Who's seen these yet? Who got one of these? Yeah. Okay, these are for people who know how to drive. For those of you that get a lot of those really funny waves where people aren't smiling and they're not using their full hand and you, you, that happens to you a lot for whatever reason, please don't put one of these on your car. We're, we're trying to make Jesus famous in a different way. And uh, this is not for me to drink coffee while I'm up here. This is a really cool new mug we just got, right? So what, we used to give our guests t-shirts and we changed. We're not giving them t-shirts anymore. We're giving them these. And some of you have been really upset that, that you didn't get one because you weren't a guest then and you were saying, how can I get one? Well, we're going to give you one as a gift today on your way out the door. There you go. Cool. Unless you didn't clap. If you did not clap right then, you do not get one because if you're not excited, got to be excited. All right. Hey, so great new series we're doing called People We Know. And uh, just want to let you know that was role playing. Please be kind to Kayla. She's not really self-absorbed. Wonderful young lady. Stephen is not a conflict avoider, so do not cross him because I assure you he's not going to avoid it. Um, But you know, Archie, that was pretty much Archie, just in case you're wondering. Just, I'm just kidding. Archie's awesome. Uh, There you go. All right. Anyway, hey, as we're doing this series on people we know, And uh, learning how to deal with some of the more difficult people in our lives. How would God want us to respond? How should we treat them? What should we do? You know, it's so easy to come in here and talk about everybody else, isn't it? It's like one of your favorite series. Hey, we're going to talk about them. Not just them, actually. There's a subtitle to this series. I didn't tell the creative team because I just made it up this week when I was writing my sermon. So here's the way this goes. It's people we know or people we may be. Ooh, there, I'm glad somebody got that. Yeah, so we're not just going to talk about your neighbor for the next four weeks because sometimes we are the conflict avoider. Sometimes we are the, the control freak. No, nobody amen that one. That tells me some of you have been told that before. Yeah, there you go. So, hey, I want to introduce you to two keys that will help you throughout this entire series. Key number one, if we're talking about people we know, I need you to know this. You can't change people. You don't change people. The Holy Spirit changes people. The purpose of this series is not for you to become the most annoying person in someone's life. To say, hey, my pastor was talking about you on Sunday. Let me tell you what you needed. No, 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 that is not the point of this. We're gonna talk about how to respond to them in the way God would want us to and how to help them in the way God would want us to, but it is the Holy Spirit who changes them. So just remember, you don't change people. And in that same vein, 
Key number two, if you happen to be the person we're talking about, you need awareness. So as we do this series, even right now, just go ahead and say, Holy Spirit, will you show me where I can be more like you, where I can change if I happen to be the person we're talking about? Because I'm sure none of you are those people, right? All right, anyway, there you go. So hey, how about this? How many of you know somebody who can hold a grudge better than anybody else, right? I've got somebody in my life, I'm not going to say their name because they're, uh, they're going to listen to the podcast, but that's okay. They can hold a grudge better than, I think, the devil himself. Like, the smallest thing can make them angry, and they will not talk to people for years, literal years. I mean, I've watched it happen. No joke, no exaggeration. And how about this? How many of you have ever seen somebody who is, well, they're just not generous? Come on, they're not generous. Like, they, they want you to buy. They don't tip. They don't tip well. They're just kind of stingy. How about this? Have you ever met somebody who they only think of themselves? Like every time you're going to lunch, they call shotgun. They're first, right? They don't hold the door open because holding the door open means they're at the back of the line. Somebody's really excited. He's, he's staring. He's got his hand up and he's staring intently at the person he's thinking about. That's all right. That's all good. So what, the reason we have such a problem with these people is because we think they should be better. We think they should be different. But the question is, where do we get that kind of thinking from? Some of us would say, well, maybe it's just because we're all humans and it's one of those, we're in this together, we should treat each other better kind of thing, right? I mean, come on, it's a tiny planet. There's a lot of us. Uh, We've got a short life here. We should learn to get along and treat each other right. But the problem we have with that is who defines right? Who, Who says what that's going to be? Why is it that you think somebody should be more generous? Why is it that you think someone should not put themselves first if it's okay in their world? The reason this really bothers us most of the time is because, well, we have an idea that comes from Jesus. You see, I would, I would say that most of us are here this morning because we are Christians, and some of you may still be exploring that journey, but we've got an idea of how people should act, and that idea is based on, well, Jesus. And we expect people to be kind because he was kind. We expect Christians to be kind because Jesus was kind. We expect them to be generous and to not put themselves free. You kind of get what I'm saying. That's kind of where our idea comes from. So, unfortunately, Christians aren't always like that, are they? Y'all didn't want to laugh at that one either? A few years back, actually it was many years back, it's it's been more than a decade now, my wife and I wanted to be a part of of something new. It was a a new ministry team, and and there was a leader who was bringing all these families together, and we were going to go out and and do something together. And unfortunately, this leader uh, hurt some people. He, He hurt a lot of people, actually, and he hurt my wife and myself pretty badly. Uh, and it was such an ugly situation. He's no longer in ministry, which of course is really sad to see that happen. But we were so hurt by what happened with him as a leader in this Christian situation and, and being the Christian leader in the situation that we didn't really want anything to do with church for a while. Does anybody know that feeling? You ever been there? And you weren't even sure what you thought about God or anything else. And you just really went through kind of a, a faith crisis, so to speak. And so we were in this season of our lives. It was really difficult. And one day we were going to see our family. We were driving up I-77 here on the interstate. And we looked in the car and front of us had a bumper sticker and it said God save us from your people now we thought that was amazing we were like yes that's exactly the problem God you need to fix your people they're all they're hurting people and and all I mean we we just loved it we laughed it was amazing it was healing to us and that's sad isn't it sad it's sad that we thought that was funny 
It's sad that we connected with it, but I'm gonna tell you what is sadder than anything else. And that is that there are enough non-Christians out there that believe that about us, that they could make a bumper sticker, publish it, sell it, and have it on people's cars. Is our reputation really that bad? Well, it turns out maybe it is. So that's what we're gonna talk about today is when we have this living contradiction between what we should be and what we're not, the unchristian Christian, when you drop your iPad like Andrew did and a few extra words come out. People who we definitely know, because all of us know somebody who is this living contradiction. When I was in college, I was a music major. If you're a guest, most everybody else has probably heard that before. And so there was this one guy that was the absolute biggest contradiction of anybody in the music department. His name was Mark and he played the trombone. Now that sounds weird. That doesn't make him a contradiction to all of you that don't like trombone players. They're, they're good people, okay? But here, here's the point. First thing, Mark was weird because he wore a Crocodile Dundee hat always. And I, when I say always, I mean always. He could have slept in it, but I promise you, if he was in class, it was on. If he was in the hallway, it was on. If he was outside, it was on. If he was in rehearsal, the tuba players couldn't see the conductor because of his hat. I mean, he just always wore this hat, but that's not why I'm telling you this story. It, it, it turns out he's weirder than that. See, here's the, here's the reason I'm telling you this story. Mark was a music major, and yet he went to a church that didn't believe musical instruments were godly. On Sunday morning, if there's a small denomination out there, he went to one of these churches that said musical instruments outside of the voice is ungodly, and so you're not allowed to play them. So if you went to that church on a Sunday morning, there would be a cappella singing. It's all that would be allowed. And so on Sunday morning, he goes to this place that says trombones are from the devil. And then Monday through Saturday, he's in rehearsals learning how to be a professional trombone player. And so I said, Mark, something here doesn't make sense, man. How is it that you are a music major? And he said, because I love music. I said, then how do you go to that church? And he said, because I love them. Well, there's a disconnect, dude. You spend your entire life doing something that they all swear is from the devil. How can you keep this up? And it did not bother him at all that he was a living contradiction. And sadly, the truth is we all have unchristian Christian moments, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And some of us notice them, but some of us don't. Some of us, we have so many moments that we could actually say our lives are better represented by the phrase unchristian than the phrase Christian. So that's what we want to talk about today as we kick off this series. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. If not, it's going to be right here on one of these screens. So starting right here, it says, this, however, is not the way of life you learned. You see, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. This isn't what you've learned. Here's what he means. This isn't the first time he's writing. This isn't the first time somebody's been there to talk to them. This isn't the first time that they've heard, wait a minute, if you're following Jesus, something should be different. The person that was over there shouldn't be the person that's over here. That's why he said, look, this is not what you've heard. This is not what you've learned. Something should have changed. And I, I can just see it kind of in, he's, why have I got to write this to you? You're starting to, come on, you know, that some of that's there. Look, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Why? Because it's being corrupted by deceitful desires. What that means is before we recognize who Jesus is and what he is doing for us and our lives died for us, rose again, and he becomes our king, there should be a line in the sand. And there was this version of me. 
But the day that I make Jesus my king, there's supposed to be a new version of me. And as we will get to a little later in the message, the truth is every day that you follow Jesus should be a newer version of you. But at the very least, there is, there is something that says there's the unchristian version of me and then there's the Christian version of me. And those two can't represent the same thing. They can't be the same person. People who know me should see a difference. That's why he says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, because really it all starts right here anyway, doesn't it? And to put on the new self, something different, someone who is different, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what is this old self? What's what we just said? It's the person you were before Jesus. And it says that it's ruled by deceitful desires because it tricks us into thinking that things are important then that are, well, they're not really important. We just thought they were. And it changed how we live. You see, there were some things that we used to think were important. You know, the first one was us. <laughs> you see, before Jesus, we live for ourselves. We live for our pleasure. We live for our comfort. We might have lived for our career. We live for accomplishments. We live for seeing how many uh, trophies we could put on the wall, how many degrees we could get, how many awards we could win, whatever the story is. Maybe it's not a trophy on the wall, maybe it's a trophy on your desk and it's in the form of your title. And, and, or it's the corner office. Or it's just being able to walk down the hall knowing everybody's scared of you because you can fire them or, or you can hire someone. Or It's just the power, it is all about me. And, and before Jesus it was all about me, right? Maybe it's because we live for stuff. I mean, come on, y'all, stuff is, is anybody else in here like stuff? I like stuff. Can I, I'll, I'll admit it, I'll be the center. Y'all be the holy people, I'll be the center. I like stuff. You ever go to, the, come on, there's at least some guys in here that's gonna relate to this. You go to the store to buy a new TV and no TV's big enough? I mean, come on, thank you. I mean, seriously. I mean, it should be. I'm a pastor. I should walk in the door and say to the guy at Best Buy, well, actually, don't you still have one of those little black and white 13-inch models? Because, you know, I'm spiritual. I don't watch a lot of TV. I'm too busy praying and reading the Bible. True story, about four or five months ago, our TV went out. We had a 55-inch TV. And so it died. It was old. So we went and got a new 55-inch TV, and we brought it home and put it on the wall. Now, one of the first things that's different about a 10-year-old 55-inch TV, back when the frames were like six inches all the way around, and a new one that has like no frame, well, they look smaller. <laughs> so we put the new 55-inch TV up on the wall, and we both stood back. Surprisingly, my wife agreed with me on this, and we said, there's room for more. <laughs> yep. I now have a 65-inch TV on my wall. <laughs> stuff. We would live for stuff. I, I just recently, I've been telling my wife for probably a year now about this new car, Tesla Model 3. Any, any Tesla fans in here, like you, you kind of drool over these electric cars that are super awesome. And well, you can't really get one and it's hard to get and you can't see them in real life. So I, I decided on a gamble. We were in Charlotte. We were out there for a family event. I said, honey, let me go by the, the Tesla dealership and see, they might have one that, that I can show you. And, and they did. And, and when I touched the door and opened it, it came on. That tells you how cool these cars are. Come on, that's just pretty awesome. And, and and so I'm just already like getting in, oh, this is a nice car. I sat in it, super sleek, nothing but a TV screen. Go inside and start talking to the salesman. You know, they're supposed to have an everyday man's version. Like it starts at 35,000, you get a big government rebate and it's back to the price of a Honda before you know it. And like, I, I think I can do that. And he says, well, you know, we don't make that version yet. 
It's going to be a little while, but listen, you wouldn't want that version anyway. I mean, you want the upgraded battery. You want to be able to go further and you want the different engine. It goes faster and you definitely want this spoiler and you want these wheels. And I'm going to tell you what, I stood there going, you're right. That's good. And I'm standing in the showroom here and saying, so, so, so how much is this one that I want right here? He's, oh, well, the, the starting model right now is $49,000. And for at least 10 seconds, I started doing the math on how I could change my family's finances and save to get this $49,000 Tesla Model 3. And then it occurred to me, we've been praying for decades for things that only cost like $10,000. I'm gonna have to go back to the uh, 10 year old minivan with my kids, it's nice to see you. But it was so easy to stand and go, oh, I want, see, we live for stuff. Maybe we just, it's because we represent humanity. I mean, humanity fallen, broken, so our, our old self means that when we get hurt, we get angry. When we hurt, we get back, we get revenge. We're going to make sure people know what they did to us. We, we put ourselves first because, well, I mean, we're born putting ourselves first. Have you ever seen a baby come out and say, I'm hungry, but no, mom, you just go ahead and rest. I know you just went through something there. <laughs> it's our nature we put ourselves first. We value earthly things. The bigger the TV, the better, like we just said. We pursue lust. We pursue greed. We could make a list for hours on the things we pursue. You see, when we have our old self, our decisions are based on what we think, our reasoning, what seems good to us. There is simply not a higher authority that tells us how we should live. The bottom line with our old self is, well, we do what we want and we represent ourselves. That's it. We do what we want, we represent ourselves. And well, that kind of goes with humanity, right? But Paul says here, we're supposed to, to leave the old self if we're following Jesus, the old self, there's a line in the sand, that person no longer exists. A new person begins to exist. Someone who's created to be like God, which already gives us really the whole answer we need. What does that look like, Jimmy? Well, it means we look like God. We look more and more like him every single day. So look, I'm just gonna let you know, we could do like a 50-part series answering the question, what would it look like to look like God? I could take one thing each week and we could look through it. So I'm only going to do like a couple of minutes here. I'm going to seriously not do justice to what it would change us to be like, to look like God. Will you guys forgive me that I don't, I'm not going to take the next 50 weeks right now. And uh, just, just, you just, that's why you've got your own Bible. That's why you've got your own prayer time that we're going to continue to grow. But I'm just going to show you a couple of things that I hope the Holy Spirit can highlight on some things that should change quickly. And first, as we begin to say, Jesus is my king, you know, the first one is we should believe differently. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about believe in Jesus. Yeah, you believe in Jesus. But I mean, believe differently in everything. That's why Paul just said, being renewed in the attitude of our minds. It starts right here with what we think. So the first thing is we're going to believe what God says about us not what the world says about us, not what the enemy says about you, the things that you believe when you look in the mirror and think you'll never be good enough, no. It, it, we're gonna believe what the Bible says about our God. We're gonna believe what the Bible says about our world. We're gonna believe that there's actually meaning and purpose to life. You believe differently. You see, the old self was all focused on good vacations and retirement, white picket fence, two and a half kids, never figured out how they come up with that. And that whole deal, that was what you were focused on. And the new self says, wait a minute, God, why did you put me on earth? How many days do I have? What do you want me to accomplish with the few days that I have? 
That is what we start to believe. You believe different things are important. So where we used to believe that a, a big TV and a nice new Tesla or something like that was important, now we say, you know, it doesn't matter what I drive. I mean, seriously, I'm looking at a Tesla Model 3. I live three miles from here. I could ride a bike. I mean, if it's got four wheels and runs, it's going to get me where I'm going. I don't have time to get up to the speed limit, you know? I mean, we're going to think differently it means our philosophies and our ideologies change. The things that rule our thinking, they have to be overwritten by the things that God thinks. Our decisions change because of what God thinks. We will begin to speak differently. Our words will start to honor the people around us. We'll say kind things or we'll be quiet because <laughs> you know some of us are still following the rule our mama taught us. We can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Some of you are like 52 years old going, if it's what it takes. No gossip, no slander. You know, we don't, we're, it's, it's not what God wants from us to walk around and say, hey, do you know about so-and-so? Do you know what they just did? I tell you what, I'm all fed up today. Have you heard about, I'm gonna tell you about. I'm gonna tell you a story, can I tell you a story? Well, I don't hear a lot of, of the gossip and stuff going on. I would like to think that it's because y'all are just a godly bunch of people and we have a great church. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? I'm not really sure if that's true. It also could be cause of something that happened really early on and, and maybe this story is circulating as a rumor. I don't really know, but this is a true story, I promise you. When I first became lead pastor back in our old building over there in my office, you know, my office was right by the uh, front door and everything. So it was kind of like the reception area. Most people didn't know the difference. At least the UPS guy didn't. <laughs> my office was everything. Anyway, so I'm in my office one day. Somebody makes an appointment with me because they want to talk to me about somebody in the church. Now they schedule an appointment to talk about something. It turns out it wasn't something, it was someone. So as they start saying, Pastor, I need you to deal with this person. You know, they're just this and they're that. And they, when they did this, they really hurt me. And when that, 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 that. Now, by coincidence, anybody in here believe in coincidences? Now, by coincidence, that person happened to be in the building that day. <laughs> so I just said, can you hold that thought? And I opened my door and I went down the hall and I got that person. I brought them back in my office and said, please continue. What were you saying about them? <laughs> it's Matthew chapter 18. You should be talking to them before you're talking about them to me, right? <laughs> well, I, we, I don't know, maybe that... that Story went because we don't have a whole lot of that. We don't need gossip. We don't need slander. There shouldn't be encourage. I mean, there should, should be encouraging and life-giving speech. Every word that comes from us should be life-giving to other people. Shouldn't be crude. Should represent God. This is one of the biggest frustration soldiers tell me they have once they become a follower of Jesus is representing God with their tongue because of the environment. Come on, soldiers, you with me? Anybody amen to what I was just talking about? That's, that's a hard environment, and I know it is. And it's easier, if we were honest, it's easier to represent God in some really big stuff. Like if they, uh, one of your, your friends came to you and said, hey, you wanna go rob a bank together? You'd of course say, no. But it is so hard to represent God in some really small stuff because everybody is using some four-letter words and everybody yells at the new recruits that way and everybody does this and everybody. And, and so to be the one person who says, I'm not very comfortable with that language. <laughs> You're eating alone for lunch, aren't you? Or, or to be the one person that doesn't say it, even that's hard. You've said it your whole military career. It is so normal. But I want you to know in this little thing, you think, well, it's just a little stuff. I mean, come on, God, I, I, I'm not robbing banks and I'm not killing people. It's just a couple of words just so I can fit in at work. It's not a big deal. It's actually a big deal. 
because the enemy uses the little stuff to discredit you. I mean, think about this. After you use a few four-letter words and cuss out that recruit, how do you then look at him and go, hey, could you come to church with me? It's not going to go very well, is it? So the simplest things in our lives, when we don't go from an old self to a new self, the enemy celebrates because it keeps us from being effective. We're going to act differently. We're going to believe, think, speak. We're going to act differently. Do you know the word Christian is used in the Bible only three times? And it didn't even start. It wasn't even a term until after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus and people were talking about his followers. Now, here's what I need you to understand. This has changed with the way we use it today. You and I use the word Christian to talk about us. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go to church. Yeah, okay, I read, you know, whatever it is. We wear the label. We wear the t-shirt. We go to the Christian bookstore. We buy the bumper sticker. It's how we talk about ourselves. But this term originally was not used by us to talk about us. It was used by them to talk about how different we were. You see, it was used by people who didn't follow the way of Jesus in the first century to say, over there are the people who claim Jesus is still alive. Over there are the people who say they worship him. Those are the people who are living differently. They change, they act differently. They say he's coming back and so they don't need stuff on earth anymore. They share everything they have with each other. They're kind to each other. They worship, they get together in homes, they share their food because they say time on earth is short and Jesus is coming back. They're different. We've kind of changed that term, haven't we? The question is, if you know somebody who would not identify as a Christian, just let them come to mind. Now ask yourself this. If you didn't tell them you went to church, if you didn't keep a Bible on your dash, if you didn't have one of these Grace Life stickers on your car, if you didn't have any of that, would they look at you and say, you're one of those people waiting on Jesus to come back. You don't have much value in this stuff here on earth. Man, you just keep sharing. You, you keep forgiving. You, you, you talk differently. I remember a couple of months back, you walked in one day on a Monday morning and something must have happened to you on Sunday because you are just not the same. You, you act like Jesus. Would they say that? See, we would act differently, wouldn't we? I'm gonna tell you what else. We will react differently. <laughs> a non-Christian has every right when their life gets messed up to go, ah, what am I gonna do? Now, some of us are real good at that, by the way. <laughs> but you know what a Christian is supposed to do when your life goes insane? When your circumstances are upside down, when you don't know how you're gonna pay that bill, when you don't know how, how you're gonna get through this medical situation, when you don't know what's gonna happen with, with what's going on in, in your world. Nope, we're supposed to react differently. We're supposed to say, with a smile on our face and peace in our heart, my sovereign God has this in his hands. We don't freak out because we're filled with faith, not fear. We're supposed to treat others differently. You know, Jesus had compassion on the lost. You know, Jesus died for his enemies. Well, just to stop and think about the people you really don't like. You see, we're supposed to love instead of hate. We're supposed to forgive instead of hold a grudge or get revenge. We're supposed to share and give because, well, Jesus was the one who said it's better to give than to receive. And then we're going to treat ourselves differently. Now, this one's funny because watch this. Two things are going to happen. From your old self to your new self, first, you're going to get a demotion. 
because your old self, you were the king, and now you're not. You're going to treat yourself differently. You're going to stop sitting on the throne and saying, I'm the king. It's all about me because, what? Well, he's the king, right? But in another way, you're going to actually get elevated. And it's because your value will go up. You see, in your old self, the devil said, who are you? You aren't worthy. God couldn't love you. Don't you know what's wrong with you? <laughs> but our new self says, I'm a child of the king. I'm loved. I'm forgiven. You're right, I'm not perfect, devil, but you do know that that's forgiven. Jesus died for that. You see, he's my daddy. So we get a promotion at the exact same time. The bottom line is we do what he wants and we represent him. It's a dramatic difference. And so this is gonna leave us with two questions for today. Uh, the first one is this, how do we deal with the unchristian people in our lives? And, and I want you to notice that I didn't say, how do we deal with the unchristian Christians? Because sometimes they're not. And so before I explain how to deal with the unchristian Christians, I want to explain how to deal with the unchristian people. The truth is we have unchristian people in our lives. And, and this blows our minds but we actually expect them to be Christians. Don't you realize that? I mean, think about this. Don't we like get a short circuit in our head when people prove our beliefs right? I mean, we, if Jesus is your King, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you acknowledge that we are born sinners and that humanity is fallen and that we need a Savior, Jesus died, Jesus rose again to be that Savior, then why are we surprised when our next door neighbor proves he's a sinner? Why are we surprised when our coworker or our boss proves to be somebody who has not at all the character of Christ and needs to get saved? Why are we surprised when people show us that? So the first thing is when you have an unchristian, unchristian in your life, we need to treat them the way God did. And that is, he sent his son to die for him when we were still enemies. You see, Jesus had compassion on the lost. God loved do you, do you see where I'm going with this? So, so if you've got an unchristian, unchristian who cuts you off in traffic, pray for them. God bless them because they need it. God help them. God, I pray for this person. Every time your boss, you, you know, come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. Y'all got that boss that you just wish God would take on to heaven right now. You know, you're just, and if he ain't going to heaven, that's his own fault. I mean, that's what you're thinking, right? No, no, no. I mean, seriously, the person that, grates on your soul the most, which is typically because we expect them to act like a Christian and they're not. Let's stop expecting the non-Christian act that way. And the more they grate on your soul, let that to be an encouragement to pray for them. Get the devil back for what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he thought that he was gonna use this person to short circuit your joy and, and to keep them lost. And you're gonna go, oh, well, thank you for yelling at me when I didn't deserve that. God bless you. I'm gonna pray for you. I pray you get saved. That's awesome. I mean, seriously, what do you do with the unchristian Christian though? Well, here's the simple truth. We do need to challenge them in love. We need to challenge them in love. Jesus said he came to bring grace and truth. Now look, who's good at grace? I'm, I don't have my hand up. Who's good at grace? Come on, somebody in here. Wow, we're a really bad church, y'all. Who's good at truth? 
Some of you didn't raise your hands. I think you missed it. There were two choices today. Cheeseburger, pizza, nothing else. All right, here we go. Who's good at grace? Raise your hand. And who's good at truth? See, I'm good at truth. I'm the person that can very quickly tell you what's wrong with you and how you need to get yourself right or get out of my space. I mean, it's just real simple. Uh, I, I did that yesterday. I have to admit, I had an unchristian unchristian moment, whatever you want to call it, with my HOA association yesterday. I get more letters than anybody. I don't know why I keep getting letters. I mow my grass. I take care of stuff. I, there's a personal vendetta against me. I'm just telling you. And so yesterday I went to tell this lady, she better stop it. Don't send me another letter. Some of you have heard me tell the story before that I got a letter telling me my black mailbox is not black enough. You know what? I got that same letter again, years later. I, and in the picture are four other mailboxes, the exact same color as mine. They don't get letters. I got a letter. Hey, what is your problem, lady? So, then I was thinking this morning driving in, oh, new building, lots of guests. <gasps> what if it's the HOA lady? <laughs> I'm just going to tell you she wouldn't have stayed for the rest of the message because some of us are better at truth and then some of us are better at grace. But Jesus brought grace and truth together. There is a way to say, hey, listen, I love you and I'm with you, and that's why I want to talk to you about this. You see, there was some time in my own life, back when I was in college, I was following Jesus. I became a Jesus follower in high school, but in college, I was the typical stupid, unchristian Christian by just deciding that some things were more fun than what God had to say about it. At least that's what I thought at the time. And as I was feeling really guilty and really messed up in my own soul and still going to church on Sundays, but doing other things in my life, one of the reasons that I sort of justified it to myself is that all of my friends at church knew and not one of them would come and say come on Jimmy what are you doing now look that's not permission to blame them because it wasn't their fault it, it, my choices were my fault but I'm just letting you know the power of an encouraging word the power of coming and saying hey seriously come on man I know you let me help you and we need to challenge them. We need to show them a better way. I think that's one of the best things you can do. If you actually live like a Christian and put a smile on your face, they're going to they're gonna be jealous. <laughs> they're going to be sick of what they're doing, and, and they're going to want to do it the way that they know should be done. They're going to want to live the way that they know the Bible says, or they're going to want to make the change that they know they were supposed to make. They just haven't had an encouragement. They haven't had anyone who looks like they're having more fun doing it God's way. So if we start living like we're supposed to, and we say, hey, look, this is working. This, this, is, this is God's way. This is my life. We can draw them to that. I had a, a friend of mine who was a, a Christian, Christian, and uh, he was on my worship team, but he got embittered over some things toward church. And, and so he became like the church hater poster on social media. And then I've got another friend of mine I went to college with, and he's an atheist, an actual professed, declared atheist. And he puts a lot of stuff on social media that, that is also criticizing and pointing fingers at the church. And you know what I did? I unfollowed my Christian friend. Because I ain't got any time or space for someone in the family beating up the family. There's no room for that. You know, I mean, if you don't like it, don't, don't do it. It's like, I don't like pickles, but you've never seen me like take a grenade launcher to a pickle truck going down the road, you know? I mean, some of you like them. I'll let you have them. I don't need to spend my life criticizing pickles. I, 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 you don't need to be a Christian attacking Christians. So I unfollowed that mess. I don't have room for that in my life. But I still follow my atheist friend because I've known him since I was in high school. 
and I keep looking at what he posts so that I can get some understanding into how he sees the church and God so that someday I'm going to have an opportunity to talk to him. So I treat my unchristian Christian friend with a little bit difference. Question number two, how do we make sure, this is probably the biggest question today, how do we make sure we're not an unchristian Christian? Isn't that the most important question today? How do we make sure we're not the unchristian Christian? Philippians 3, Paul gave us the answer, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting who I used to be, forgetting the way I used to live, forgetting what used to matter. No, that's got to stay back there. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. Simply means this, the goal changes. Did you see him? I press on toward the goal and it's not the goal I used to have. This is written by Paul. Paul's literal goal was to persecute and kill Christians. And now his goal has become to make as many people a Christian as possible. Your goal changes. The reason you get out of bed changes. What you want for your family changes. What you want written on your tombstone changes. Everything changes that you are living for. And we change. Because the simple truth is your old self and your new self cannot be the same person. Look, just for the fun of it, raise your hand if you've been a believer in Jesus for more than a year. And the problem with that right now is that most of you think, oh, that's cool. I should have heard this way back. This would have been good then, 10 years ago or five years ago. I need you to know that this applies just as much for you and me today. You see, it's not just that the old me before Jesus needs to be a different version of the new me, different from the new me, but the old me of last month, because I'm more mature in Jesus now, right? We should change every day, every week, Every time we walk in here and worship, every time you open your Bible, every time you sit down in a small group with other believers, that is why we do that, by the way, right? We should become more like him every single day. So back to the bumper sticker. What if we had a different reputation? <coughs> I mean, what if the world didn't hate us enough to make bumper stickers saying, God, would you save earth from us? What if you had a different reputation? What if people didn't say that Christians were judgmental and finger pointing and all high and mighty and all of the stuff maybe you've heard some people say? What if people said, man, you know what? <laughs> They're like Jesus. They're kind. They're loving. And I want to be one of them. Because whatever they've got, I want. I think that's the encouragement for us today is to be so true, not like my <laughs> trombone music major friend who, <laughs> yeah, no, but to be so true to what we believe that it simply changes who we are. So listen here, I've got a challenge for us today. The, the answer to this is not at all complicated. You ready for a challenge? Okay, one thing I want you to ask God, I want you to, to say to the Holy Spirit, will you show me a contradiction between my life and my God. Can you do that? Just take a moment right now. If you want to close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, will you show me a contradiction between my life and my God? Yeah. Amen. It's a simple choice. <laughs> now, 
decide who you will be. I want to close by talking to those of you who, well, you have yet to make Jesus your king. You were off the hook up until this point. You were like, that's cool. I don't have to be that. I'm not one of those people. Well, the truth is we have a perfectly holy God and yet we're not. And the only way we bridge the gap between him and us is through the sacrifice of Jesus. And he said, I voluntarily give my life for you because of my love for you. So if you have never made Jesus your king, you've never surrendered to him as Lord and Savior, whatever the words are that you want to use, I want to help you do that this morning. I'm not going to ask you to move. You don't have to leave your seat, but right where you're seated, we're going to pray. Would you all join me and pray something like this to yourself and to God? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And my simple prayer here today is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.